0: Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Monday, April 4th. Coming up on the show today, the Memphis Grizzlies are attempting to make franchise history. Nashville SC turns their current road trip into a success. The Vanderbilt-Tennessee baseball rivalry continues to prove why it's the best in the state and the best in the sport. But we begin with the questions you have to have answered about the Titans' new stadium. First of all, before we get started today, I just want to say thank you to everyone who came out to support our kids by running in the 8th Annual J.E. Dunn Hammerdown Race. Of course, all the time over the last two weeks on the show, dedicated to that race, that great event run by J.E. Dunn. All the money, of course, benefiting our kids. So much appreciation for all of you folks in Nashville who came out and ran the 5K on Saturday morning. And, of course, special thanks to the Kingston Group. You guys know the name. BuildKG.com is the website for donating their space on this show the last two weeks to our kids to make sure that event was so successful. So again, check out ourkidscenter.com, learn more about the organization, get involved here. You should know who they are. So again, thank you guys for coming out and running with us and supporting the organization. We really, really appreciate it. Friday offered us another round of Titan Stadium news, as everyone has heard the Cam Sexton radio interview by now. The Tennessean Speaker of the House loosely floated some numbers and details about a potential stadium financing plan after the governor's office, of course, promised $500 million from the state. I will save many of the details surrounding the toughest questions and answers for our longer conversation tomorrow with Zach Lyons, of course, Broadway, Sports Media, Football, and other F-Words pod. We're going to spend a lot more time on this on Tuesday, but the questions are this. Who is paying for what and how, obviously? How much will be actual new spending by the city? What is the governor's motivations here, and what is he trying to extract from John Cooper? Why is all of this information coming out now? What do you have to win from a media strategy standpoint? What are the details of the entire East Bank development? And who will be fighting over those details and why? And last but not least, what role does the Republican National Convention play? We will answer all of these questions on Tuesday's show, but for now, all that matters is that there could be somewhere between $1.4 and $1.6 billion in funding for a brand-new Super Bowl-capable retractable roof stadium in Nashville, Tennessee, and not a penny of it so far would be considered new spending out of the city's general obligation budget. We could be weeks or months away from any fully finalized financial details, but those numbers that are being floated from multiple places, and it's happening for a reason— a deal is coming for something, and if it's true and three quarters of a potential brand new stadium has already been paid for, well, the city is off to a hell of a start in terms of negotiations. The Tennessee Volunteers baseball team came into Nashville over the weekend and swept the Vanderbilt Commodores, a top 10 baseball team, with relative ease and a bunch of drama, which of course is great for the sport. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that this particular win means more than than just sort of an average, really important Road series in the SEC. They've already won. Tennessee's already won against Ole Miss and beaten South Carolina. And it's it's important. It's the first time they were in Hawkins Field, ranked ahead of Vanderbilt for the first time in forever. And it's the first time they've won since you know 2008 and all that stuff. And and it is important. There does feel like you know you have to sort of beat the king to be the king. And Vanderbilt has been the king. But what makes this so much better than just two teams that are really good at baseball playing again? I I don't think this Vanderbilt team is. As good as some of the teams that they've had in the past, or even the national title teams. This Tennessee team is maybe not as good as its number one ranking, or 19 consecutive wins, or 28 and one record. Obviously, it's very, very good, but this doesn't get, you know, this particular series doesn't guarantee either team anything moving forward in the future. But what it does guarantee is that the drama will still be there. These two programs, dating back to last season, absolutely despise each other. And it's wonderful. I'm 100% here for it. It has turned into one of the best rivalries in the state in any sport. And it's probably the best rivalry in all of college baseball right now. And the drama is turning into a tradition between these two programs. Tennessee had a home run negated in the very first inning for an illegal bat. And there are rumors that this bat is being investigated potentially by the NCAA. And it sort of set the soap opera tone for the entire weekend. And like I said, I'm here for every bit of it, because Vanderbilt and Tennessee are two very different universities with two very different baseball programs and very different socioeconomic cultures. And what is fascinating about these two teams, baseball teams, is that they sort of embody and represent and play the game that sort of define those two different cultures. Vanderbilt is the tux-wearing, martini-drinking James Bond of college baseball who's been attending and dominating this exact party for 15 years. They act like they've been there before because they have. They play a distinguished brand of ball and have two national championship rings to back it up. Tennessee is a bunch of drunken rednecks riding in the back of a Chevy who've kicked in the back door to the exact same party carrying a keg of natty, wearing trucker hats and fur coats, hitting dingers, and not giving a shit about what anybody says. It's two very different styles of baseball, and each could not represent the style and brand of their universities themselves anymore. Pinkies up on one side, mullet luges on the other, and boy do they hate each other, and the fact that they are both top five level programs right now makes it all that much more enjoyable. The weather was absolutely perfect all weekend long, especially on Sunday. And I had a chance to go, and the crowd for the series was great. There was a lot of orange there, but tons of vanity fans. And what's crazy is the ticket prices. They were more expensive to go to the Vanderbilt Tennessee baseball game than it was to go to the final four. And that's all of this is great for the game. It is great that Tim Corbin and Tony Vitello probably don't like each other a whole lot. And and whether you're the buttoned up baseball type who likes all the unwritten rules and has experienced championship success in the past and sort of understands how to act when you come to the party, Tennessee's the opposite. They haven't been there. They don't know how to act because they haven't been there before. And they revel in the pure joy and unadulterated happiness that playing sports can bring you. And sure, you can identify with either one of them. You can think either one of them is obnoxious or right or wrong or the other, and and you're bright. Both of you are right. Both sides of the equation are right. Sports are fun, and watching these two teams play is pure entertainment at this point. And my guess, just a guess, is that this was just the first chapter this year, as potential tournament matchups loom tantalizingly large. Can you imagine a trip to Omaha on the line in a Super Regional in Knoxville or Nashville? A matchup in Omaha in the College World Series? Holy bejesus, that would be amazing. Maybe all of you guys should start watching SEC baseball. Speaking of the national title game, Kansas dominated Villanova in the first half of a doubleheader on the on Final Four Saturday. Coach K's career then came to an incredibly dramatic end on Saturday night as eight-seeded North Carolina outlasted the Blue Devils. K finished what is likely the greatest college basketball coaching career in history with five national championships and 13 trips to the Final Four. It's actually the fourth time an eight-seed has ever made it to the national title game, which, of course, is coming up on Monday evening. Villanova, ironically, was the lowest-seeded team in NCAA tournament history to win the Natty when they famously upset Powerhouse Georgetown in 1985, the first year that the tournament was at 64 teams. An eight-seeded Kentucky, led by Julius Randle, lost to seven-seeded UConn in 2014, and number eight-seeded Butler lost to number three-seeded UConn in 2011 in what was possibly the worst national championship game ever played. Meanwhile, Bill Self and number 1 Kansas are a four-point favorite to win on Monday evening. This is Self's fourth trip to the Final Four as he's trying to bookend his Hall of Fame career with a second national championship 14 years after his first one way back in 2008 that was, of course, over John Calipari, Derrick Rose, and the Memphis Tigers. Tip-off on Monday night is, of course, at a very convenient 8.20 p.m. Central Time. I guess they just want to make sure that as many kids as possible get to watch the national championship game and the One Shining Moment montage. 8.20 Really? Just give me overtime, but not like too much overtime. (laughs) Nashville SC became the only team in the Western Conference with two road wins this season after a 1-0 victory over Columbus. It was the crew's first loss of the season. With a 2-2-1 record through five road matches, this team's seven points can only be defined as a massive success in the first month. There are just three more games to go, of course, before May 1st, and the opening of Jodis Park, that big, brand-new, beautiful stadium we've been telling you guys about. And really, all you need to know about Nashville SC so far, who's going to start the season eight straight times on the road, is if they were to pick up one more win and get to 10 points in eight matches on the road, you could argue that the first eight matches were a huge success for this team because they're going to play a whole lot of games at home in that brand-new stadium over the course of the next few months. Another clean sheet for Joe Willis, just a, an absolutely critical one Nothing road win that you just, those points are so critically important at the end of the year, just a really big showing, and to have two road wins already on the season is, is quite a remarkable start. So just a couple more weeks, and we're going to open up that really beautiful new park down there in Wedgwood, Houston. The Memphis Grizzlies beat the Suns on Friday night to take two out of three this season from the number one team in the Western Conference for their 55th win of the year. The Grizzlies' franchise record for wins in a season is 56 set back in 2013, and with two more in their final four games, this would become technically the best Memphis Grizzlies basketball team in franchise history. The win over Phoenix was the team's seventh straight, all of course without John ja Morant, who is out with another knee injury. The idea is to get their star point guard healthy for the playoff run, which again begins in just a couple of weeks. It's been more than two weeks since he left the lineup and should be evaluated for a return quickly this week. Memphis will play Utah on Tuesday and Denver on Thursday on the road before wrapping up the regular season against the Pelicans on Saturday and Boston on Sunday, both at home. With the Titans and the Predators and college baseball and all the things that are going on in this state, it is a remarkable year in Tennessee for professional sports and college sports. What a time to be alive here. Memphis Grizzlies potentially breaking a record and having the best regular season in franchise history. Thank you guys all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter, at Braden Gall. Zach Lyons up tomorrow with the Titans long form on Tuesdays. Don't want to miss it, of course. The YouTube page as well. Follow us on the socials. Click all the buttons that we're asking you to click. We really, really appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. Again, thank you all for listening. This has been the 440 for Monday, April 4th.